The Lord bless you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Jude, the epistle of Jude, verse 11. We want to continue with our Bible study we've been doing for a number of weeks on conquering our demons. If you remember, we laid the foundation for this. This is the ancient fathers wrote, and as they wrote, they labeled seven deadly sins. And as they wrote about that, uh, there are, of course, more uh, sins than that. But for some reason, they categorize these as being very deadly. And uh, so we've been talking about that. It's actually uh, the uh, uh, conquering of our lower nature. In the book of Galatians, chapter 5, 19 through 21, tells us the manifestations of the lower nature. And these are all involved in that. But the good news is that we can conquer the lower nature. Uh, all of these things that we're talking about can be self-destructive and, uh, and uh, often are. We observe this not only in our past history, but also in those that are around us. We see this uh, constantly uh, played out in human personality. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is a higher power, a higher dimension, a spiritual freedom and power, enablement that God gives us if we, we can live uh, in our present, uh, uh, in our present life, uh, delivered from the power of demonic uh, manifestation and from the lower nature. So uh, we want to do that. I want to talk for a little bit. I want to see if I'm making any progress here. This morning we've uh, taken several uh, different dimensions, and I wonder if anybody remembers anything about pride. Somebody give us a uh, definition of pride and uh, anything about it. Have I connected with anybody here? Absolutely not. So uh, we have to teach that again, I guess. Pride. What is it? What is pride? Somebody give us a definition of pride. Uh, Devin? Thinking that you know better? Thinking that we know better? That's a manifestation of it, yes. Okay. Uh, 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 Noel? We've got an inflated uh, opinion of ourselves. Inflated opinion of ourselves. That's very, very good. How about you, Mike? Okay. Say again. Exalting yourself. Exalting yourself, okay. And so the Bible says pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And uh, James, I think it is, says God fights against pride, but he exalts those that have humility. Humility is the opposite of pride. Okay, and so then we talked about anger. This is something probably nobody ever has any problem with anymore. So what's anger? The gears are turning. Uh, Owen. Frustrated self-will. It's what? Frustrated self-will. The manifestation of anger is frustrated self-will. Very, very good uh, manifestation of that. So this is the... Uh, somebody give us a, maybe another definition or uh, something to help us define it. Uh, twister. Emotion out of control. Emotions out of control. That's very good. You never do get mad at those horses, horses do you, Twister? Well, I got a story about that. Okay. <laughs> Twister's got us a story about horses. Okay, fire away. I get to talk about anger, I share this all the time. When I was a kid and I started my first two horses, I had until I cooled off, the horse cooled off, and then we went on. <laughs> so I tell people that are working with us, when you start getting mad, 
a little anger under control is okay, but when you're going over the hill with it, you just need to stop, pray about it, think about it, and you, you can control your anger if you decide to do it. Anyway, that's my story. A little anger. A little anger's okay. Can be controlled, as can all of these. Yes. Right. But the sad fact is, without a little help from the Lord, it very seldom takes place. Yeah, but, you know, when I was a little kid, I certainly wasn't saved. I guess maybe God was helping me. But the reason I did that is I knew I was messing up because yeah. I had such a, a passion to train a horse that I thought, I can't be doing this because it's just messing everything up. So common sense kicked in. So the consequences is what changed me. Yeah, the consequences. Okay, then we talked about lust. Probably never have to deal with that at all. What is lust? Uh, Mike Samper. Out of control desire. Out of control desire. Okay, anybody else have another definition? Twister, you got another one? It's a longing for something that's... Uh, it is, uh, it is uh, a desire, very strong desire, out of bounds. Okay, that's very good. Okay, well, we're, we're, we're making progress here. So Jude 11, I want somebody to get that for me. Uh, maybe Woody will get that for me. And then I want First uh, Timothy 6, 9, and 10. Is uh, Jacob to get that for me? I want First Timothy 6, 17 through 19, Jeff Cooper. I want Colossians 3, verse 5. Uh, Devin will get that, and First John two fifteen. Who is it, Robert? Okay. So uh, remember now, uh, we talked about conquering our demons or conquering our lower nature. This is kind of a phraseology, and uh, this probably this morning as we're going to talk about uh, escaping greed. That's going to be our text this morning. Probably the most prominent danger of modern Christianity. Uh, in our generation, we live in an era of unprecedented wealth. And uh, we have uh, t 25 and 30-year-old uh, young men that are millionaires and billionaires already. And so uh, this is uh, kind of uh, peculiar to our generation. And so because of this, uh, it has produced something. We thank God for prosperity. Can you say amen? I, I like to live in a house with heat. Lights, uh, 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 running water, but uh, because of this, there's a great danger to be caught up in what the scripture says is greed. And I want you to read Jude 11 for me and just ponder that. Jude chapter, uh, verse 11. Woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of court. Okay, here we have a, a text that's taken out of the Old Testament. It's talked about Balaam. Balaam was a uh, odd fellow. Uh, Book of Numbers talks about him and talks about him selling uh, his uh, spiritual abilities uh, and use him in the New Testament to, to draw a parallel for that. So we, first of all, we need to find greed. Uh, all of us have a God-given desire to uh, accomplish uh, to better ourselves, uh, you know, the animals. This is this is uh, this is uh, into animals. Uh, in my house, uh, uh, I think we built our house in 2001, and so I begin to hear little noises as I went in the front door. Something was crawling up the drain pipe, and I said, "Wow, it must be a squirrel." So I kept watching that. Pretty soon, I saw uh, uh, nutshells. Uh, acorn shells coming off into the in the drain there so i got up and took a look and i had a squirrel you know the squirrel he didn't he didn't build out in the wilds where he belongs <laughs> but since i invaded his territory he found a much better place to better himself and that was up the drain pipe up in the eaves of the house where it's nice and warm up there and so i got up there and i i must have dug 10 pounds of decorative rock that he'd carried up out of the front yard to block off, make him a nice little nest up there. And I'm up with a stick dragging that out, tons of acorn shell, and then nailed it shut so he can get up there. But this innate uh, 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 ability to better oneself is in all of God's creation. 
So it's especially in man, and so it's not wrong to want to better yourself. Can you say amen? It's not wrong to want to uh, uh, improve. But the ancient people used this term for greed, which was avarice. This is an ancient term, and uh, it is the obsessive pursuit of wealth. Now think what I'm saying, because we're going to get to a balance of all of it as we get there. And so uh, it's, uh, one writer says an excessive or reprehensitive acquisitiveness, wanting to, uh, wanting to have things. So it's a, having a very strong desire to possess money or material things. Uh, it's also known in the Bible as covetousness. Greed uh, manifests itself in uh, covetousness. We have the story of the uh, rich farmer uh, in the uh, oh, uh, in the New Testament. Jesus tells this: the rich farmer who he's prospering, things are happening, good crops, but he's prospering so much, uh, uh, no doubt because of hard work and because of the good weather, uh, he uh, begins to multiply his uh, crops. And he says, what am I going to do? The barns are too little. Here's how I, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger barns and I will store up uh, my uh, profits that I have and I'll say to my soul, soul, you have many goods uh, laid up for many ease, years. Take your ease. So here we see uh, he's condemned, Jesus says, uh, because he uh, laid up uh, treasure for himself but was not rich towards God. So here we have a manifestation of greed. He's got plenty, but, he, but covetousness is the fear of not having enough. So you never know what's going to come tomorrow. So uh, you can't really trust God as a believer. So you're going to have to provide for your future. And so if you're not careful, then this... Uh, this uh, avaricious appetite kicks in and you're trying to provide for any uh, any uh, uh, any uh, event in life. I was talking to somebody yesterday, he's talking about insurance. And so uh, I said, well, insurance is, is good, uh, but uh, how much insurance is enough insurance? Well, <laughs> there's all different kinds of things. And so you really ought to have enough to bury you when you die, you know, it really help that you're, that, uh, but, but if you don't, well, the county will do it, so it's okay. And so, uh, talking about that. So when you get into this dimension, then what happens is covetousness kicks in, and covetousness is the fear of never having enough. Uh, so the Bible has ample admonitions. I want Luke 12, verse 15. Who'd I give it to? Somebody read it for me. And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Take heed and beware of covetousness, for life does not consist of the abundance of things uh, which a man possesses. So, uh, he's saying, beware that we recognize how possessions can capture the heart. And, uh, you know, we have today a bumper sticker theology. <laughs> he that has the most toys when he dies wins. Right? Then there's a counter bumper sticker that says, he that has the most uh, toys when he, die, when he dies uh, is still dead. So... Uh, a little bumper stick of theology has a lot of truth to that. But greed, now we're talking about greed, is the inordinate love of money and material possession and the dedication of oneself uh, to their pursuit. First Timothy 6, 9 and 10. They that will be rich fall into temptation, and they snare it into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through many sorrows. Okay, here's a very powerful scripture in the New Testament. Paul's writing and says, they that will be rich. In other words, they are uh, they're dominated. They are moved by the decisions they make in life is they want to be rich. 
being rich is, is more than enough. That's what being rich is. So when people are dominated by that, then he says, they fall into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in many sorrows. So many, uh, many emotions are triggered by this. Many decisions are made about that of people that they're not satisfied just to make a living, not satisfied to take care of their family and to live life normally. They're tormented. They're dominated. They're driven. Every decision of life is made. How's this going to profit me? How's this going to better me? Uh, then uh, having kicked that in, then uh, another thing kicks in, and that is that uh, the decision made maybe you can shade the truth a bit, you know. And uh, uh, if you're selling a used car, uh, why uh, you never tell them about the faults. You just uh, shine it up, wax it, make it shine, and this is a fantastic car. Or uh, and I know uh, we had a uh, Adam's not here this morning, but he was going to sell cars, and we talked to him. Said Adam. Very difficult to be a Christian sell used car. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just not in the way, it's not in that dimension. Uh, because you have to keep a blind eye to ignorant people that are being taken care of, uh, advantage of. Okay, so that's 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. <coughs> excuse me. All right. So, <coughs> excuse me. This is written to believers. And so uh, there's a wealth of instruction there, spiritual dimensions that are involved. If God's blessed you, so that you have been more than enough, uh, then you ought to be have a liberal heart, a generous heart. Doesn't mean that you have to give it all away, but it means that uh, the natural uh, tendency of care and concern for other people, God would move you to help people who are in need and to be willing to share. And then he says a very interesting thing, laying up for themselves a provision or a good foundation against uh, the time to come that they may have hold on eternal life. So many uh, spiritual things are there, and we'll open for comment in a little while. So wealth, then, can easily become our God. This is why Jesus talks about this. You see, uh, we, uh, uh, we're, uh, we're living in a uh, prosperous country. We have been blessed. I, I doubt very seriously if any or if that very few have ever known what it is to be hungry in this in this building today you say about depression you don't even know what depression is talk to some old folks who are in the depression and they'll tell you what the depression was uh well i know that you had a depression because you quit making money hand over fist and you had to really work for what you that that's a depression that's what's it so it uh it's a uh, it uh, says uh, if if it uh, if it happens to you, it's a recession. If it happens to me, it's a depression. So there's the difference in outlook. So uh, uh, the the dimensions of uh, material prosperity can become very very uh, very very dangerous. And Colossians three verse five gives us some instruction. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth: fornication, uncleanness. Passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, isn't it interesting that in with this, uh, all these nasty sexual uh, sins, uh, that right in the middle of that, he puts uh, covetousness, which is idolatry. Remember, covetousness is the fear of not having enough. The fear. And uh, covetousness uh, is not uh, necessarily not having enough. It's the fear of not having enough. So he puts that in the same uh, text uh, with the nasty uh, human nature that degrades itself with all kinds of sexual immorality. In John, First John 2.15.
Okay, so here uh, we uh, we tie it down. So let's open for a, a questions or comment. Just really, do you understand how far so far? You have any question about what we've talked about this morning or comment? Confession? Anybody have any comment this morning? Question? Devin? So um, in First Timothy, we read that scripture. Uh, 17 through 19, verse talked about um, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. So, would a basic definition of greed be trusting in riches? Yeah, absolutely. It means it means that that uh, you are not trusting in God. How many of you know that God's God? You know, it's so it's so interesting as a pastor to watch uh, the dynamics of people that get saved, they're really living for God, but if they're not very careful, then it, they begin to just kind of uh, move along, take things for granted, and they really don't trust God. They go to church, they carry a Bible, and they uh, sing the song, but they really don't trust God, but they're constantly trying to manipulate, trying to maneuver to make sure that they're taking care of themselves and leave God out of the equation. So that's exactly what it says. Uh, if you don't trust God, then it's very easy to become cranked into a trust uh, of your material possessions uh, uh, rather than trust God. Okay, very good comment. And it's Betty Bronson. Well, I got a real lesson of basic humanity in the nursery for a little while. We had a little girl that would come in, and she came in early when the nursery was first open, and we'd get the toys out, and she'd get them all in a pile and lay on them. Okay, here's a little girl in the nursery. Sister Bronson was the nursery director for many, many years. And this little girl would get in and gather all the toys in a pile. And she'd lay on them. She'd lay on, spread out on these. And so if another child would take a toy, she would jump up and hit or push or whatever and get the toy and run over, throw it on the pile and lay on it again. And I learned that greed is a basic Human nature. Very a small child. Yeah, oh yeah, too. And uh, she didn't play or enjoy any of those toys. She was so busy defending them. <laughs> that, and I'm telling you, sometimes that's the way we are. We're so busy gathering and defending. We, we can't even enjoy or trust God for anything. Yeah. And she actually went to our church. <laughs> she didn't grow up and she's here this morning, is she? She got saved. Okay, that's very good. Okay, so let's move on just a little. Let me give you some more scriptures as we're locking into this. Uh, I want Second Thessalonians three eleven and twelve. Somebody, te who is it? Rich Merck. Second Thessalonians three eleven and twelve. I want First Timothy three verse eight. Is uh, Matt? If you'll get that for me. So let's move this then into modern perspective then. Because uh, you and I are blessed to be born and raised in, an, in a nation where there's a dimension that's called American exceptionalism. That's what's been named by uh, Rush Limbaugh and a few others. And our nation was founded on a Puritan work ethic. Now, some of you don't fully comprehend what that is, but uh, the er much of the early founders of our nation came here with certain... Uh, convictions and one of those was that they believed that work was a sacred duty and that it was uh, more than just simply uh, grubbing for your existence but it was in the sight of God sacred and 2nd Thessalonians chapter 3 11 and 12 the Apostle speaks to this for we hear that there are some who walk among you in this early manner not working at all Okay. I didn't hear the end of that. I, I, I perceive he must have made a comment there. Okay. So uh, here Paul writes and he says that uh, these are believers he's writing to. And he says to them that uh, here's this uh, principle, you need to work with your own hands. And 
he makes that statement at the end, if uh, any man doesn't work or is not willing to work, neither shall he eat. So the early settlers of America had this fa uh, Puritan work ethic that came in, and we have what's known as capitalism and free enterprise. It's at the very heart of the foundation of America. It's what's made America, uh, one of the things made it, dimensions made it great, is the uh, dignity of work, and not only that, but the ability to uh, develop skills, have a creative dimension that you're able to see where you can make money. Uh, how many uh, 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 businessmen do we have that you own your own business here? Look at your hand. Let me see how many businessmen we have. Look at this. Okay. That's, that's dignity. Uh, they, uh, they saw opportunity, and they said, uh, you know, uh, I'm working hard. My boss is making good money. I know what he's doing. I think I could do that. So they saved their money, buy some tools, and uh, begin to enter into business. And uh, now they're making more than they were making working for someone else. Doesn't mean it's wrong to work for somebody else, but it means that America traditionally has released a dimension where people, the creative genius that God has placed in them, they can take that opportunity and begin then to, by capitalism, go into business for themselves, and uh, and that is, that's a very uh, that's a very deep uh, 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 principle of America to release the creative genius in the free market. I tied in with that uh, is property rights. Most of you have no uh, understanding of the tremendous. Uh, dynamic of property rights. What that means is that when you buy something, the laws of the country uh, give you a protection for that that's not be taken from you. Or in other words, uh, whoever's in charge in the government can say, hey, I like that house, split or kill you. Just take it, as in many countries. But we have uh, laws, and so this is, talk, uh, this is uh, involving eminent domain, uh, when uh, when they built this freeway out here, uh, I caught wind by a couple of things that that uh, they called me up and said, you know, we're going to build a freeway through here. We just want you to know it's in your neighborhood. And I, my alarm bells went off. Why are they talking me about this? So we owned this property and uh, owned uh, uh, that property where it is there. And so I talked to Bill Bronson, and Bill Bronson, you know, Bill's just an innocent-looking fellow. He walked up to the county and said, hey, you know that freeway, where's that going to be? And the guy said, you know that church out of that tent? He said, yeah. I said, right through the middle of that. <laughs> uh, amen. But uh, there are property rights in America, and they can uh, uh, take... Uh, property if it's in the common good and there's no other alternative but quick like a bunny we ran to a lawyer he found a case in Colorado that if there are any alternative it's already been decided they cannot take a church property and so we delivered them an ultimatum that we're headed for court if you try to take our property and so marvelous they found another way to do it isn't that I mean it's just a miracle how they do that and so uh, the reason I'm telling you this is America has rights of property You'd understand uh, how wonderful that is. Something happens to people when they uh, when they uh, have property. It, it it changes their dimension. It it brings a, a, actually a stability in heart and soul. Brings a confidence. And so uh, this is the, this is a dimension that God placed in. And America has become great because of that. So the downside of that then is the cutthroat uh, competitor, the workaholic, the swindler, the miser, the gambler. All of these are greedy. How many of you ever heard of Bernie Madoff? Let me see your hands. Okay, the rest of you living in a cave somewhere. So Bernie Madoff uh, is a Wall Street swindler, and he worked a Ponzi scheme. A Ponzi scheme is a investment thing created where you're going to make a lot of money quick and get a great return on your money. And you uh, talk to somebody like Bernie Madoff, he says you invest in this. So people are investing in the front end. He's paying tremendous uh, interest on that on the other, but it's really not investing in anything. It's all on paper. He's, 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 uh, he's cooking the books. And so he was able to swindle 
uh, many honest people out of 50 or maybe more, a billion, 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 50 billion dollars. Uh, and uh, what is he? He's serving two or three life sentences in prison today. But the reason for that is that uh, uh, people uh, are always looking to make money, and Wall Street furnished him that, and uh, so he has it. So he wanted, that's greed at work. Bernie Madoff wasn't happy to work for a living. He wanted to, he traveled jets, he, all these uh, things. And so we've got casinos, lotteries, uh, online gambling. All of this is trying to beat the rap. Quick money. It appeared. How many of you like uh, to make money? Let me see your hand. Okay. And so uh, uh, it, it's an interesting dimension you need to learn is that you cannot con an honest man. How many have ever heard of Nigerian letters? Let me see you. <laughs> Look at that. In Prescott, Arizona, would you believe this? In Prescott, Arizona, they know what Nigerian letters are because they send a letter, and this letter says, uh, uh, said, uh, I'm in Nigeria. I've, uh, I've, uh, I've got uh, uh, $3 million. I can't get it out of Nigeria uh, because of tax laws here. But if uh, I want to share this with you, if you'd help me, and if you'll give me a way to get it out, give me your, your bank account there, then I'll give you 10% of whatever it is. And so it's, it's dishonest. He says right up front, it's dishonest. But, you know, if you're going to make money at it, well, maybe... I'll help this fellow out, you know. And so the next thing you know, he's cleaned out your bank account along with others. That's what Nigerian letters are. So it appeals to the greed in human personality. It's alive and well. That's why I ask you, raise your hand. How many of you have ever heard of Nigerian letter? Because it's worked everywhere. I, 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 I preach in England. I said in England, because lots of Nigerians in England. I said, how many of you have ever heard of a Nigerian letter? <laughs> Hands go up every place. And there's a lot of Nigerians there. And so they, uh, they, uh, freely, someone got mad at me. They thought I was, uh, downing Nigerian. But you know, there's, uh, there's Americans that, uh, run scams too. Amen? And some of them are elected to office. So, okay. <laughs> So uh, there's a TV program, I'm reading about this, and it's called The Preachers of L.A. How many of you know about The Preachers of L.A.? Anybody here? I'm not going to give an altar call. I'm just asking. Do you know about it? Okay. Uh, what it is, is a documentary on preachers over in L.A. who are into the prosperity doctrine shamelessly exploiting people, flaunting uh, their exploitation, driving Mercedes Benz, uh, wearing diamonds as big as a baseball, uh, you know, and, and they're flaunting this, and the uh, Hollywood is, uh, has cranked into this, uh, and they're exploiting their stupidity, and these are reality shows. They're, they think this is fantastic that the, uh, and the rest of the world, they're just mocking how stupid these people are. And now they've, uh, I see they've added on to that, and it's, uh, uh, preacher's daughters. Now they've got backslidden preacher's daughter. Got that? It's just, it, it's endless. So, but here's greed. Greed will lay hold of people and, uh, a blatant exploitation of their gullible followers. There's a book that I quoted from in 2013. It's called The Prosperity Phenomenon. It quotes scripture out of context, and it's absolute fraud. It's published by a fellow in Scottsdale, Arizona, and it's almost unbelievable that he can sell books to that of Christian, but the reason he does that is because people have greed. They want to get easy money, and sometimes it works into religious uh, leaders. So God gives some instructions about ministers and leaders. First Timothy chapter three verse eight. Not greedy of money. Okay, I need some more text. One uh, First Timothy three three is that Brian will get that. Joshua seven twenty one. Uh, 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 Justin, Second Kings five twenty two and twenty six. Help me, somebody. Is uh, Dennis Second Kings five twenty two and twenty six? Um, okay, we'll take the First Timothy three three. This uh, is instructions for workers of the gospel. Not given to wine, not violent or greedy for money. But gentle, not coarse, 
not covetous. Right. Here's qualifications for involvement in the church is not greedy for uh, filthy lucres, what the King James said. Uh, Joshua 7, verse 21. Here's a, here's a Christian soldier. When I saw them the spoils of a beautiful Babylonian garment, two hundred shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing fifty shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth, in the midst of my tent, with the silver under it. I coveted them. What is covetous? Covetousness. Somebody tell me. What's covetousness? What is it? The fear of not having enough. Okay, so here he is, curses his life, his family. Second Kings five twenty two and verse twenty six. And he said, "All is well. My master has sent me, saying, Indeed, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim, pleased to give them a talent of silver and two changes of garment." Then he said to him, Did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from the chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money and to receive clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? Okay, so here's Gehazi, the famous uh, 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 disciple of, uh, of uh, Elisha, and he curses his life, spends his life as a leper, and uh, here's a story of uh, the warning of that, and it's interesting, is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards? If you read the text, it isn't very long after that, because uh, Elisha refused that, uh, then he's blessed with 20 camel's burdens of the, of the king of Assyria that sends into him, but the timing is very interesting that had there. Okay. So uh, Francis Bank Bacon made an interesting comment. He said, if money be not your servant, it be your master. If money be not your servant, it be your master. And so the covetous man cannot so properly be said to possess wealth as that man be said, uh, that wealth may said to possess him. So let's get a balanced perspective this morning. And uh, I want uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, 7 through 11. Somebody in here. Help me. Is uh, is uh, Jacob? I want Deuteronomy eight seventeen and eighteen. Somebody else is uh, Philip. I want Ecclesiastes five verse nineteen. Is uh, Devon? I want Ecclesiastes six verse two. Is Twister? Okay. So uh, looking at this, then historically. Uh, there comes a mistaken emphasis, if you're, if you're not very careful, uh, because you get a mistaken emphasis uh, on, uh, on what's involved there. And uh, the church in history began to view money as evil. The Bible does not say that money is evil. It says the root of, uh, 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 the root of uh, uh, money is the, has a root, the King James says, money has a root that manifests itself in all kinds of evil, the love of money. So here we're dealing with how uh, money's viewed, how people handle it. And uh, uh, they said poverty was a virtue. They cranked that into the early church. And this is what produced monasteries in the Catholic church, uh, vows of poverty, uh, all kinds of other evils in there. In there. Had Simon the Stylite, uh, who uh, sat on a pillar for 37 years. He wants to be removed from all the evil of the world. He sat up there atop a pillar for 37 years because of the mistaken dimensions of some of the... So we have biblical insight. God is involved in economics and commerce. Write that down somewhere. God is involved. It is no accident, these dimensions, but God is involved. He's involved today. Biblically, you'll see it very clearly, but he's involved today. And I want Deuteronomy chapter 8, 7 through 11. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and deaths, that spring out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, then shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. 
Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God, and not keeping his commandments and his judgments, and his statutes which I command thee this day. And Deuteronomy 8, 17-18. Then <clears throat> you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And Ecclesiastes 5.19 As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth, and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. And Ecclesiastes 6 verse 2 And that to whom God has given riches and wealth and honor, so that he lacks nothing for himself, for all he desires, yet God does not give him power to eat of it, Okay, very clearly, this says that God is involved in this. In other words, it's not simply human endeavor, it's not human genius, but God is involved, and uh, this is very clear. So his provision is a reality. I want Proverbs 30, verses 7 through 9. Somebody help us over there. Is Would he do that? Ecclesiastes 5, 9 through 15 is Jordan. I want Ephesians 4.19 is Lucas. I want Proverbs 1.9 is Devon, if you'll help me. And Proverbs 15, verse 27 is Owen. So God's provision is a reality, and we want to get all of these before we open for discussion. Proverbs 37 through 9. Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies, give me neither poverty nor riches, feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee, and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor as steel, and take the name of my God in vain. I hear that very interesting text there, that he says, Don't give me riches nor poverty, either one. And then he draws out the dimensions uh, and the dangers that are there, knowing his, his own uh, fallen nature. Ecclesiastes 5, 9 through 15. <laughs> Can't find it. It's in the Old Testament. Moreover, <laughs> the profit of the earth is for all. The king himself is served by the field. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with in increase. This is also vanity when good increase. When good increase, they are increased that eat them. And what good is there to the wonders thereof, saving the beholding of them with their eyes? The sleep of laboring man is sweat, whether he eat little or much, but he but he abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. There is a sore evil with which I have seen under the sun, namely riches keeps for the wonders thereof to their hurt, but whose riches perish by evil travail, and he Begetteth a son, and there is nothing in his hand as he came forth of his mother's womb. Naked shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor, labor, labor which he may carry away in his hand. Okay, profound statements in that of human dynamic. Ephesians 4, 19. He who being past feeling have given himself over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Greediness, Proverbs 1, verse 9. For they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. And Proverbs 15, 27. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household, but he who hates bribes will live. Okay, all of these uh, have to do with greed. So let's uh, open it up for discussion, uh, comment. We've touched uh, several different areas. Bear Montgomery. I was in a place where somebody was listening to Joel Osteen on CD. Somebody was listening to Joel Osteen. It was me, but, but I, <laughs> I decided I was going to you know, check the guy out. I'd never read him or anything like that. And he was, he was, he was taking scriptures that, about blessing and prosperity and commenting on it and then going to another scripture up about prosperity and wealth and blessing and commenting and on and and it was like you know he was stuck in a promise book under blessing and wealth 
and they were going to another. And I noticed that some of them were out of context. You know, I was taking Old Testament scriptures, like Jeremiah to the, the captives, and, and saying, I have plans for you that are rich, and you know, and New Testament, like he took a couple from Ephesians 1 about spiritual blessings, and he pushed them into material blessings. He had an agenda. So, and I could only take 10 or 15 minutes of it. Because it was like it was like eating desserts, too much pecan pie. I was getting sick. You know, I could picture his smiling face. Why did you feel that way? Because it was so imbalanced. It was so. How did you know it was imbalanced? How did you know it was imbalanced? Because I've had, I, I've had, I've had both sides of the gospel. Because you read your Bible, read Bible. and you're under constant ministry of healthy preaching. Yeah. And ha if you want to know about a, a counterfeit, they train all their agents to counterfeit, as they they let them handle real money, and they are so used to feeling real money that when they feel counterfeit, they know immediately that's what it. That's why you recognize immediately. Very good. Incidentally, he uh, he got to burgled uh, weekend before last. They got the they got the weekend's offering. They broke into the safe in the afternoon and took it. Uh, they hardly can get by. They only got six hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> That's why he was quoting the scriptures out of context. Okay, Jeff Brown, six hundred thousand dollars. Can you handle this, folks? Um, talk about Ponzi scheme. Anyway, uh, talk about what? Honest Ponzi scheme. It's uh, you know, it feels good to make money yourself. Uh, there's no denying that. But I think there's an awesome mention there too, because if you think that God helped you make that money, you know, if you're if you know that God helped you make the money that you made. Then you're grateful for that. And if you have that money and you're grateful, then you've got it all. The, the gratefulness or thanksgiving for it, gratitude for that, and realizing that God it is has gave it to you, then you have a lot. You're very wealthy. Amen. But Bill Brunson. Give me an example of something like the Nigerian letters here in Arizona. Uh, for many years I worked for Internal Revenue Service. And I had dealings with a gentleman in Mojave uh, County who was a tax preparer. And for two or three years running, he prepared several thousand tax returns for high-income individuals who worked overseas. And he convinced them there was a loophole in the tax laws where if they would give him a few thousand dollars, he could let them take huge losses and get back every penny that they had had withheld on their taxes. And of course, these were uh, the losses were in non-existent mines. So he would take the money that uh, they invested, put it in his pocket. He made a couple of million dollars out of this. IRS started auditing these people, discovering the whole thing was a figment of their imagination, and went after these people to get the money back. Prepare ended up in federal prison. The funny part of it is, when IRS went after these people to recover those fully refunds. They were so indignant. They didn't think of themselves as being greedy. They deserved all that money back. Right. Regardless of whether they had lost anything in the first place, all of a sudden they deserved it. That's and they never saw that as greed. Yeah, but that is greed, how it kicks in. They deserve that. Anything you get back from the government, you deserve. That's what they think. <laughs> and so, well, they're just a, a recent one. Uh, when they're a guy in prison, that was telling prisoners how to file fraudulent tax returns and get refunds for money that they didn't do. That was one recent one. And then there's another one just lately uh, that has, uh, maybe it's the same one, uh, seems like $300,000, I think, is a figure come to my mind. Same thing. It's greed. Okay, very good. Somebody else. We got time for more comment. It's, uh, yeah. You. Real loud for me. 
Carter to make sure we're responsible. When our country was first founded, the only people who could vote were the property owners. You know, and, and even then, women could vote back then. They didn't have to go through the suffrage thing. But I thought it would be it would be a nice kind of if that were still in effect, then we wouldn't have such a huge entitlement society. The only people that could vote was property owners, you say? It would be nice if they just had people who were citizens be voting today. It would change everything. <laughs> Phil? I've thought many times about that scripture with Gehazi. All Gehazi mentioned out of his mouth was silver and clothing. But Elijah, or Elisha goes on and says, all of yards and servants and horses and houses and mansions and whatever... So it's obvious that Gehazi had been laying around dreaming for a long time about what he wished he had. And so it seems to me that the fear of not having enough is only the beginning. That if you indulge that long enough, I need more, I need more, pretty soon you really begin to enter into a whole fantasy dimension of what you wish you had. And you begin, instead of being thankful for what you do yep. have, and paying attention to work hard right now, that you spend a lot of time in your head and you miss out on everything around you. And he ended up bringing a curse. Brought a curse on his life, died a leper. So remember now, we're not talking about not having the desire to further yourself, uh, gain skills, market your ability. We're not talking about that's not evil, not wrong, it's God-given. It's the uh, out-of-control domination uh, that uh, drives you to make decisions based on what's in it for me. That's what it is. So uh, we, uh, before I get through, we've got uh, the genius in the White House now. He's into, uh, what is it, uh, income equality. Income equality. You know what that is? That's socialism, which means uh, that you take from the rich and you give to the poor. That's what that's all about. So that's who you elected in your stupidity, is a man who's a socialist who has an agenda of, of income redistribution. And that's why all these things come, but it gives it a different flavor when you say income. You go, yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, everybody ought to do that. Well, but you see, in a free market, some people uh, self-destruct. They're too lazy to work. And so if they're too lazy to work, they shouldn't eat. But we've created a whole system where they can eat whether they ever work or not. Amen. It's called entitlement. The Lord bless you. Next Sunday, we're going to continue on with this.